Nowadays, people tend to criticize the government or other institutions or the West indeed because they simply do not trust yeah. 50 shades of Russian politics. Yeah. You're listening to the Slavic Connection, brought to you by the Center for Russian, East European and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. The next thing I wanted to ask about is, okay, so we have these new conspiracy theories emerging in Russia. What are their effects outside of Russia? Are these Russian conspiracy, these conspiracy theories from Russia, particularly with regards to say the fall of the Soviet Union, but then even the, the newer ones from the 2000s and so on, are they spreading and having effects outside of Russia and Europe and the United States? Uh, I had a chat with one of your colleagues uh, this morning, and we've been talking about this far-right conservative politics related to family, for example, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what is fascinating about the Russian conspiracy culture in the late 2000s and 2010s is how intense uh, some of the ideas used first to kind of put the nation together, again, discursively, like saying uh, this uh, spiritual bonds that kind of put us together, that help Russia exist, mm-hmm. uh, how they are being kind of converted into the international concept, mm-hmm. right? For example, conservatism, like let's let, let's let's prevent gays from you know being legal in the country, for example, or uh, let's try to support kind of cons- kind of ideal families with two parents, of course, male and female, and then kids and maybe parents of the parents. You know, all these kind of ideas that existed and were popular very much. In the, in the early 2010s, right? Mm-hmm. With the Pussy Riot affair, with all these kind of strange pre-Crimean yeah. developments yeah. in Russian politics, yeah. right? Now, if you look at what Russian speakers are saying, and you see how these notions are being supported, for example, by the Germans, like by the conservative Germans who support the alternative for Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Or by the people in France, right, who support Marine Le Pen, or, or what's happening in the United Kingdom with Brexit. And I'm not even saying about, you know, evangelists in the United States, right? Who also kind of conservatives who support several notions that have been uh, instrumental in Russian politics in the t- in 2010s. Sure. Right? Yeah. So in that sense, we kind of, we, we, we see that uh, there are some parallels and there are some similarities to create kind of a common ideology, yeah. if, you, if you want to put it that way. But, for example, one interesting uh, story, which which is also quite fascinating, how Russian conspiracy theories are spreading. I don't know if you're aware of the article in 2006 by Novaya Gazeta about the groups of death and the blue whales. Yes, yes. Right? Sinikiti. So, for those of you who don't know about this story, so they have been communities on Russian social network Kontakte, uh, where admins were basically attracting teenagers. Uh, they were involving them in the, in the online game. And the outcome of the game uh, was that the teenager uh, had, to sub- uh, had to commit a suicide, right? So there was a huge article in Nova Gazeta by the uh, staff correspondents. Uh, the staff correspondent basically wrote a manifesto, not a journalistic investigation, that became hugely popular. Like in one year, maybe two or two and a half million people read this article. Mm-hmm. And 
So basically, the, the blue whales was the notion that these teenagers, were, when they were jumping from, from the blocks of flats, they were turning into whales and they were actually jumping up, not down. So it's kind of weird, weird notion, but these groups were called Sinikiti. Mm -hmm. And now, like two years from now, one of my friends in the United States said that this kind of idea of, of, of secret groups online have became popular among American parents, mm -hmm. right? So this is the this is the new world we live in. Yeah, and right. Those came to us later, and there was like Slender Man, and there was kind of this suicide cults that would yeah attract. Yeah, and then and then it was the kind of I'm proud to say I'm joking, <laughs> but this idea was actually yeah, generated by, by 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 the Russians, and that's 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 interesting. That's kind of, that gives us a sense to what extent new technologies, new information technologies change the culture of conspiracy theories. Yeah. And what difference does it make the fact that, you know, somebody else who's also featured in your book is Alexander Dugin. Mm. Now you have Dugin, you know, I don't know if he's actually traveling around the world, but um, he's doing Skype, Skype calls with American universities nice. and spreading his ideas. His, his, I believe, oh yeah, Dugan's main translator is the, is the wife of the main American neo-Nazi, <laughs> this guy named Richard Spencer. And so, I mean, I mean, what does it mean if, these, if there's people now kind of out and about actively spreading these Russian conspiracy theories? Do you think they'll be successful? But I think this is something that Dugan always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the big, big time for him. Uh, he wanted to be very close to the Kremlin. He mm -hmm. did everything he could. If you, if you trace his biography, mm -hmm. right, uh, you can see that he was always opting for a particular political party or political movement mm -hmm. that he thought is, is going to get the power, right? So that's why it's not surprising that in the late 1990s, in 2000, he was advisor to the chair of the parliament, right? And then you see that he was trying to find a way to the media. He was coercing the guys uh, who were close to Ernst, right? Right. So he was mentioned in the in the shows by First Channel, yeah. but but basically he was traveling from the far right, kind of radical far right, towards the center one, and he was always trying to make his ideas basically consumable, right? Mm -hmm. That, that mm -hmm. the, the white audience would buy them. And the whole idea of this forced political theory, of course, like from the, from the point of view of political philosophy, there's rubbish, right? Mm -hmm. But then for many people, that kind of makes sense, yeah. right? It explains a lot. But then also, let's not forget the power of the commentators on Russia, abroad, who essentially turned Alexander Dugin into the key political theorist around the Kremlin. So imagine if he was uh, applying for promotion <laughs> and he had to bring all these publications. Yeah. Right, just bring us a, a bunch of copies uh -huh. of articles when you, where you are claimed the major thinker behind the Crimean annexation. There you go, ten publications yeah, when yeah. he is called his main thinker, the brain of Vladimir Putin. Yeah. This is ridiculous, right? But that is the foreign media that turned him yeah. into that important guy. And then when you when, when you talk about conspiracy theories. Uh, 
In Russia, well, certainly I had to put him because he was in many ways instrumental in Russia, uh, Russian conspiracy culture. Yeah. But he was one of the guys, right? One of those who brought this term of mondialism mm -hmm. from from France in the late 1980s. He was the one who basically introduced the, the concept of new world order when it never existed in, in Russia, right? So he brought them. He was important for that bit of Russian post-Soviet culture. But God forbid to say that he was, the, he is the key political philosopher. Even today, you see, like his his career breaks, right? He was at Sargrat TV. Now he's not there. Now he's doing some something uh, something else, right? Yeah. And and you cannot like I don't I cannot imagine a lot of Russian mainstream politicians who would be proud to say, and actually, I'm friend with Alexander Dugin, and I'm I'm proud to get his advice. I don't know it's too many. I don't know too many politicians who would be proud to say say that, right? So I, I'm 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 not sure that Alexander Dugin is that powerful right. in terms of kind of influence in Russian domestic politics. But his weight as this Putin's brain, alleged Putin's brain, right? The concept that was basically created by the foreign media, who covered Russia after 2014, that made him popular abroad and that's why he's so much quoted by the guys abroad also he does a lot to promote his ideas because he translates them yeah he has the, he has his own website it's in foreign languages you can read what he does and with the whole hype around russia and the and, and the collision right it's it's certainly one of the important channels of communication with russia and so i mean how does that compare and contrast with surkov because i think there's a there's kind of probably a a not, not not necessarily a danger but a, a tendency to do something similar to Sirkov to where if if the western press keep at, keeps acting like he's of this more important figure it could actually turn him into one not um, sure about not that sure. Mm, they have different roles in different russian roles, politics surkov yeah. is a politician yeah and he, he he realized that that his bit is russian politics He will be doing his best to increase his power inside Russia. But if he will have ambitions to become a preacher of Russian politics across the world, his career will be over. It's going to question his, his power inside Russia, right? And Dugin is a philosopher. He's, in many ways, he's an independent guy. Right. He's a thinker. And whatever he does... Whatever he says, if it helps to promote Russian interest abroad, that's good. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, that's fine, as long as he's not saying something critical ab about Putin. Uh, again, remember that uh, Dugin was very much critical of the Kremlin's policies in Donbass. Mm -hmm after 2014 right he even called vladimir putin a traitor he yeah, said there yeah, were like there were two yeah. putins the, the lunar putin and the sun and yeah. the solar <laughs> yeah, putin yeah. right so the solar putin yeah, is yeah, a good guy yeah, yeah. and the lunar putin is the guy who basically betrayed us uh -huh. in the donbass right? right so dugin surkov never said something like that right uh -huh. so you can count on that chap So what about a group like the Izborsky Club? Club? Are you familiar with them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so they are basically, are they just kind of wacko Duganites who don't really affect anything? Or kind of what is, what is the influence of a group like that? Uh, well, again, this, this, is a, this is a group of kind of like-minded 
thinkers. Certainly, they will have differences, mm-hmm. and certainly they will have. They all will have different social capital. Let's put it that way. Let's use Bourdieu for that. Um, and certainly, kind of the the power of the Izborsky Club is in many ways is is a symbolical power, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that they have a lot of influence on Russian mainstream politics. So let's say, let, let's say uh, maybe some bits of Russian politics, let's say this family politics mm. or, I don't know, anti-LGBT or something like that, all the pro-Donbass policies, right. they will have their word in that, right? But to say that they are very influential or that... Kind of, um, kind of mainstream politicians are asking for their advice. Not sure it it works that way. I, I would say that uh, being a member of this of this certain club is important because you can you can always find a way to speak to some former general, yeah. former I don't know high ranking politician or TV presenter, and you never know where it's going to bring you. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are going to bring you to some TV program, right? Mm-hmm. Which is going to increase your symbolic capital, right? Right. But and then maybe uh, someone is going to commission a book, and you're gonna get some honorarium. So you never know. Right. You never know how it's gonna be useful. So, but let's 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 keep this title on the business cards, right? Right, right. So it doesn't give you influence per se, but it's a gateway yeah. to potential yeah. future yeah. influence. Yeah. yeah. So I guess kind of you know wrapping things up, uh, I'd like to ask, what role do you see conspiracy theories playing in the future going forward? Do you think that that there's going to be a backlash to them? Do you think that the West can combat them? Um, and yeah, what tools do we have at our you know, disposal to kind of combat misinf- misinformation and conspiracy? First theories? of all, what is the West? By I mean, the, I mean the West. I mean you know Europe and the United States. Okay. For example. Uh, if we talk about conspiracy theories in general, mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be any backlash. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think that we are in the center of a very important and in many ways dangerous period of when uh, conspiracy theories are playing a bigger role in in populist anti-elite policies. Um, So the Trump story in 2016, uh, what's happening in Brazil now or what's happening in, uh, in Eastern Europe and even in the United Kingdom with regard to Brexit, these are all like, okay, let's go even that way. And Zelensky's victory yeah. in Ukraine, yeah. although it wasn't based on conspiracy theories. It, it's, it's very Magical, mu- mythical it's, thinking. It's, yeah. it's very much based on this anti-elite thinking, yeah. right? And the reason why he won in so many regions of Ukraine uh, is because he managed to, to put together this every anti-elite uh, attitude and instrumentalize that for mm-hmm. his own victory, for his own benefit. Uh, conspiracy theories are playing an important part in, in the populist politics mm-hmm. uh, around the world. Russia, mm-hmm. it, Russia is not an exception, but Russia is a great uh, field to study how populist uh, conspiracy theories can become partly a part of the state ideology. Uh, the fact that anti-elitism is so popular, the fact that the notion of faceless bureaucrats, the deep state, right, crooked elites, is so powerful. 
And it is so ambiguous that it can be used by virtually any political actor will definitely make conspiracy theories an important part of politics. And in that sense, I think kind of, if, if, it's, if you think about deliverables, right, mm. of the project on Russian conspiracy theories, I think that we should definitely make a step kind of forward and say, hey, conspiracy theories are normal, right? And they, they tell us something, and we need to bear in mind that if people believe, if people share conspiracy theories, then there is something wrong with our community, with our society, with our political system. And we need to first figure out what's wrong with that in order to kind of figure out how to battle conspiracy theories, whether we need to battle them or whether we actually need to address these problems to these specific sectors of Russia, of our society mm. and try to deal with that, right? So I think political elites or, I don't know, academia, we need to first think about the reasons why populist conspiracy politics are so popular across the world. Mm-hmm. And the, the last thing I want to ask, which we kind of traditionally do on the podcast is, you know, is there a book or outside of your own book or maybe a movie that you've seen recently or something, I guess I'm curious, something, are there any documentary films about conspiracy theories or really what's something that you would recommend to our listeners kind of related to this topic that you've experienced recently? Uh, well, that's a good question. I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> uh, it usually catches people off guard. Yeah, so. well, films. Serious. Well, actually, uh, I, w- I would recommend watching House of Cards. House of Cards, yeah. Which is mentioned in uh, Sirkov's article also about... But if you think about that, it's, it's very important to understand why so many anti-elitist movements emerged in the last decade. The Democratic president, right? Oh, sorry. For, sorry for the spoiler. Uh, this, the Democratic politician, right? Who is so corrupt and who is acting in the age of Obama, right? That's when the series was released. Yeah. Is doing anything to increase his power, right? And stay in politics. And so let's, let's think about it in terms of the effects on the audience and the effect and the long-term effect on the elections in 2016, I'm not arguing here that there is a direct connection between two, between the two events, right? Between the release of the series and the, and the result of the, of the elections. But that's a sign yeah. that something is wrong in American society. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that conspiracy theories around American politics and the emergence of Vladimir Putin or kind of the President Petrov in the third yeah. season there is also kind of a, it's a sign that, oh, well, global politics. Uh, there was a rumor I heard that this this TV show was actually very popular in the Kremlin and like people in the Kremlin were like recommending it to each other. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But it's just, if, it, if it's true, then it's another sign how incorporated Russian political culture is in the global trends yeah. in the Western society. So when you say what we should do in the West, why are you separating yourself? Yeah, that's the... I, you kind of, you, you're playing into the hands right. of those people who want to kind of bring the, yeah. bring the wall back. We are not that different, you know? Yeah. Me and you, we speak the same language. <laughs> yeah. We discuss the same series. Yeah, yeah. And we know that this series 
as probably popular even amongst the high-ranking politicians both in, in the both US countries. and, and, yeah. and, and yeah. in Russia, yeah. Yeah. right? So kind of creating those those walls, it's 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 pointless. Let's let's look at the at the kind of at the global context of that. Well, wow, uh, Ilya, I think that's a great point to end My on. Pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you're ever back in Austin, you gotta let us know. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's been fun. The views expressed on this episode do not necessarily reflect those of the show or the University of Texas. Please visit SlavXRadio.com for more information. Thank you for listening. The Slavic Connection is produced by the Center for Russian, East European, and Eurasian Studies at the University of Texas at Austin. Thank you. Thank you.